So, they say you're the bad guy. Is that what they say? It's a dorky-looking helmet. What's it for? This dorky-looking helmet is the only thing that's going to protect me from the real bad guys. What's your name? John. What's your real name, John? Talent you have there, Pyro. I can only manipulate the fire. I can't create it. You are a god among insects. Never let anyone tell you different. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! Okay, it's been a little while, but we're back with the second X-Men movie, X2, from 2003, and we're excited to to get back into the mutant world. Yeah, it it really has been a while. I I knew that we hadn't touched it for a while, but I just went back and looked on Apple Podcasts to see when our last one was, and we have not revisited the old X-Men since June 3rd. Yeah, so if you're also on uh, the old... Apple Podcast app, feel free to just stick a five-star review on this uh, podcast. Oh, my God. Well, Thank so, you so much. So funny that we just started talking about that. But, uh, yeah, please feel free. Anyway. Now that our plug's out of the way. Yeah, it is. It's good to be back in this world, isn't it? It's been a while. So you want to try to give, like, a little one, two-sentence recap of where we left off after the first one? Yeah, so the first movie kind of sets the scene of Charles Xavier running the school and his arch nemesis of Eric, uh, a.k.a. Magneto. Magneto. Um, and Magneto's trying to, like, turn everyone into mutants, and they stop him, and he's in jail at the end of that movie, beginning of this movie, and, like, the school's safe, and, like, their secret that they're all mutants is, like, mostly safe, or so we think. And Wolverine's character is, like, still trying to get his memory back. How many sentences was that? I kid, I kid. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I just, I felt like we all needed the refresh. We did. I, cer- at least I, I did. certainly did. We probably did. need to do this before we watch X, too, but... Honestly, yeah. But we caught up. We caught up. So now where we have left off, most of this movie is concerning Magneto plotting from behind the scenes in his jail, but also having to ally with all of our heroes from the first one to go against the plans of the evil... Striker? Striker. But that's also not true. Magneto wasn't he wasn't. He wasn't planning anything. That's true. <laughs> Until the end. Yeah. He kind of used the, the situation to his advantage. Yeah. So that's incorrect, but yeah... You know, reluctant partnership, I think, is the theme of this one. And I forgot, like, I, we were kind of talking about this during the movie, and I was getting a little mixed up. What parts of Logan's, Wolverine's origins were explored in this one versus his own movie? Because I think Stryker is in that as well, but played by a different guy, because it's like a younger version. And then I think we see another Stryker in Days of Future Past, 
In the 80s? Who's also played by another guy. Yeah. So I was like, I did not remember what happened in what movie, but we do get a bit of intrigue about his past, which was cool. Um, but we start out with a new mutant. Yeah. Nightcrawler. Yeah, I really love this opening scene. Yeah, it's like the he's coming in to like attack the president, going through Secret Service. Yeah. Which I feel like that's a very comic book thing to like basically poke fun at the Secret Service. For some reason, like in this time, like that was like in or like for a long time, because this happened in um two thousand three. No, I know, but this was also oh. in um like one of the early Superman movies. They also it was in the second one, I think. Yeah, when um Z- Zod, Zod, comes. Yeah, Zod punks the Secret Service. Which, like, I'm not it's... saying like this is a groundbreaking thing, but I just think it's funny that like they don't use like police as much as like the butt of the joke, but they definitely do it with Secret Service all the time. Yeah, look at these chumps. Uh-oh. And like some of these guys were definitely getting taken out by Nightcrawler, but also some of them looked like they got bumped to the side and they were down for the count. They're like, yeah. I am not getting back up. It was embarrassing. Although one guy came in the clutch at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked this. I remember when we watched... So I hadn't seen any of these movies um, until I think it was six years ago. We were studying abroad and we were like doing nothing but watching movies because we were broke. And I probably mentioned offhand that I hadn't seen any of the X-Men movies. Um, I think that was... Yeah, I don't even think there were any exceptions to that. I was just like, no, I've just never gotten around to them. So we watched all of them in pretty rapid succession. And I remember this scene kind of taking me in because I was like, this seems, this seems cool. And it seemed like kind of a like mature scene. I don't know. It's just, I feel like that as a whole about the X-Men franchise, they handle like a lot of themes, like politically kind of stuff. And like, obviously the whole like allegory that is mutant human relationships is like such a big crux of it. And starting this off with like, you know, the president being basically shown like as powerless against one guy, like one mutant was pretty cool. I was shocked that I was like, oh my god, that's Alan Cumming. Like, just kind of forgot that he was in it. I'm not sure what you thought of his, like, version of Nightcrawler, because we get a different Nightcrawler in Apocalypse, I think. Yeah. One that's, of the... like, a different character. Yeah. Um, I feel like, from what I remember, I, I may have liked the other version a bit a bit better. It was just kind of a different interpretation. Um like, I didn't. I didn't really care for like the religious aspect of it. No, they they kind of lost me on that. Like I liked that he had a, like a special bond with Storm and that they got to team up a bit. Um, and like he, I guess he's supposed to be like restoring her faith in humanity or vice versa. She's corrupting his faith in humanity, but it was like kind of a an f plot that didn't really get. Yeah, it, it seems strange out, to me. And what I did see when I was reading about this is that the original movie was supposed to feature Nightcrawler, and I think somebody else was supposed to be in it as well. Let me see if I can find out real quick. But um, Beast and Nightcrawler were supposed to be in the first movie, but they got removed because um, Fox was concerned about budget. <laughs> uh, I guess all those effects do start to add up. So I'm wondering if... Well, Beast is like heavily featured in the prequel Mm -hmm. series so yeah he got his time in the spotlight but i think maybe they were just trying to fit some of nightcrawler's character development that would have been in the first one wherever they could into this but i i didn't love it i feel like i didn't need it personally but 
I can I can respect them trying to just give him a bit more characterization. Yeah, like I think that was good, and um, we come to find out that Stryker is behind this attack, even though they think it's Magneto, but it does bring Charles to come confront Magneto, and I just love any scene with Charles and Eric. And then they do it so well in the prequels, that relationship, which I know we talked about this obviously in the first movie, that um, Magneto is such a good villain. I mean, yeah. But he's he's like not as much of a villain in this one, and that's fun. Yeah, like seeing them be forced to work together, but like... I don't even think it's that forced. Well, it's not, but maybe... For like Rogue and maybe like Storm. They're like, we don't trust him. Right, like... Like, what are we doing here? But just the fact that they, throughout these, you know, maybe to even, it, it's, to me, it starts to get a little ridiculous as, like, the prequel movies go on, especially, but then being able to put their ideologies aside when need be and find ways to work with each other despite their vastly different outlooks on the situation that they're in. I like that a lot. Um, and I, I know I've made this comparison before. I don't know if it was on um, my podcast, my Harry Potter podcast, or if it was in the first movie, but like the Charles-Eric relationship is very similar, what I think of as like the Dumbledore-Grindelwald relationship if you're a Harry Potter fan. And I, I just think that's kind of fun. Is this a Potter Watch crossover? It's a, per- it's a crossover. Oh my God. Ah. So I, I would agree with that. And I would also think like I had a one of my notes concerned the line where Eric says to Charles, like, you should have killed me when you had the chance. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, well, of course Charles wouldn't do that because that's just not the kind of person he is. But Eric is probably right because it's like a Joker Batman type dynamic where it's always like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to keep stopping you and putting you in a plastic prison. And I don't necessarily think that like, killing him is the best idea, but as it goes on and, like, stuff keeps steamrolling or, I guess, snowballing out of control, it starts to get harder and harder for Charles to justify just not stopping it. Do you agree with that? Um, I do and I don't. I think that line is actually really interesting because... He's saying that not because he's going to go after Charles. He's saying that because he feels bad that he was, like, used to go after Charles. Like, like, fucking over Charles is kind of, like, a means to an end for Eric, I think. Like, I don't... He's not there to, like, play with him like the Joker is with Batman. Like, he has his own agenda, and Charles is in the way of his agenda. But, like... I think they have genuine fondness and respect for each other in a way that that doesn't show up in a lot of other, I think, hero-villain relationships. I agree with that. But yeah, it is. It's I a, also I feel like I just have a soft spot for I mean, Magneto. I mean, well, that's what makes him such a great character. And, like, I don't... I'm not looking at it in a way that I'm like, well, I'm discarding all this because it's stupid because Charles could just kill Eric and all of this would be done with. I think it's just... Yeah. Um... Like the Batman Joker thing is a little off base. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like we're we're destined to do this forever. That that kind of sentiment. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. It's more just they're doing their own things, and occasionally they butt heads. But that butting heads causes like a huge ripple effect every time it happens throughout this universe. Yeah, of course. And I mean, again, they explore this a lot more 
in the prequels and in the most recent one that we watched with, like, Dark Phoenix, like, I think Charles and Eric are very much at peace with, like, leaving each other alone, and then they're forced, then they're, like, forced to cross paths again, and it's not good. (laughs) No, no, it is not. Um... But they, I, I think actually even we got a little ahead. There's like a field trip scene. That's not like super important, but I'm just like, this is like bold to take all of these mutant kids to a museum, like on a field trip. It is like definitely hard enough to have to bring however many kids they have. Yeah, like on that bus or whatever they use to get there, if they don't have powers, one of them's just going to run off somewhere. So putting a lot of trust in a bunch of kids that have the potential to really mess stuff up on a whim. They really put the school plot in the back burner on this uh, movie. Like, the first movie, like, that's very much at the forefront because, like, one of the main characters we're seeing everything through is Rogue. Um, so it, that is kind of interesting that um, we don't get a ton of it, but we do get this early on scene where Stryker is coming to um, attack the school, basically. Yeah, and we do get the bit with... Well, not. it's more about, um, like being a mutant than being at the school, but Iceman, like, telling his parents that he's, I'm not at boarding school, it's mutant school, but yeah, I know, I know, jumping forward a little (laughs) bit, but. There's a lot to talk about there, stupid Ronnie. I really do just, and I know that it it was on the back burner, but I did note this during the scene where they're assaulting the school, which was just really well done, I thought. It was a cool scene. But not only was it a cool scene, and I loved how, I don't know the mutant's name, the one that was, like, shrieking, Basically, oh, it's like, yeah. you're an alarm clock every, for everybody else that's sleeping through this raid right now. I just really love the whole, the X-Mansion or the the Xavier School. I love mm-hmm. that it's called for gifted youngsters, because yeah. that's definitely a Charlesism. Very old-fashioned. Um, and, like, British. Yeah. And it's just such a good anchor for the series and, like, the cast of this world. And I hope we, like, get to see that again, because it's very unique. It's not just, like, another team of superheroes like the Avengers or Justice League or something. It's something very different. Yeah. I mean, they they actually, like, kind of joke about this in either Deadpool 1 or Deadpool 2. Oh, it's in the second one. Yeah. Well, it's in both, actually, because in the first Deadpool, he goes there and only Colossus opens the door. And he's like, nobody else is ever here. And in the second one... Um, they have, like, their own uniforms. Well, you see all the prequel people... In Deadpool 2, they're, like, in a room, and they, like, slowly close the door when Deadpool's standing near it, which, like, I can't... It doesn't make any sense for the timeline, but why should it? It's Deadpool. I think I was thinking... I think it's Deadpool that they, like, are wearing yellow suits, and he's like, see, we're, like, our own team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, whatever you said just made me think of that, but... Um, I also, with the whole school thing and, like, the mansion and everything, I love that there is, like, the safety plan and, like, the kids know what to do. Yeah. And is is that supposed to be Colossus, like, the big guy that's, like, kind of taking care of the kids? Um. Because he's, like, much older. I think he's technically a senior or whatever. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, they only show his powers, I think, in, like, one scene in this one, but. I always end sentences on butt. I gotta stop doing that. It's really annoying. 
Uh, I do have questions on, like, where are the other children? Like, Did, did they, like, half-assedly address it? Yes. So Wolverine is fighting everybody off. Somehow Rogue is, like, taking her time to get out. So Bobby and John, Pyro and Iceman, <laughs> go to find her. And so then they get left with Logan, basically, Wolverine. And when they leave, they don't go the same route as the other children, and they take uh, they take what's his name's car to Bobby's parents' house. Was it, it was Cyclops' car? Yeah, right? Cyclops' car. And then the children, we do see them like leaving, but then some of them do get captured, and then they just like kind of have a line like, "I assume they got away." Wolverine, who is in charge of the children, is like, "Yeah, I assume they made it to safety." I'm like, "Why wouldn't? Why did you go a different route?" And then why do you have to go to Bobby's house? Like, that makes no sense to lie low at Bobby's house. And, like, is this really the time that we want to tell his parents? Uh, there were flaws. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I just... Logan is not the responsible guy. Um, and... He didn't really going... bother me in this movie, though, I will say. Well, except for one part, he bothered me. Um, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. The scene in the you know, Cyclops drives this little Mazda RX-8, which was the shit in 2003, I'm sure. I think I, I, I really did want one of those back in the day. I thought they were really cool. The back It was cool. It has like a half door on the back that it's like a suicide door. So cool. That's what they call when they open like the other way. Okay. I don't know why they're called that. I don't know that. why they're called that. But, uh, and then we get this moment where... Someone turns on the radio. I think Pyro turns on the radio, and there's an NSYNC song playing. Oh, yeah, they, they bought some music rights for this yeah. little scene. And then we get the X phone, which oh, is hidden yeah. in the dashboard of Cyclops' car, which is like. Such a throwback to the comics and like the cartoon. And just being like, I'm sure at the time, cell phone technology being as it was. That was unthinkable. It was so thin. Also, like, meanwhile, which I don't know where how Stryker is, like, everywhere that he is, but so he's, like, there at the school, and then simultaneously his, like, trained assassin mutant is capturing Charles and Cyclops. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I guess. And then they're all meeting back at this, like, Department of Energy, which I guess is not that far away. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Look, technically, the Department of Energy is down the street from where we live, and I know that they're not in well, Maryland. That so. actually does make sense, because they do say we have to get back to D.C., or mm. at the very end, they say we have to get back. To, no, but they're, like, up in the they're mountains. In that, that dam, that's, like, in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they do have to take a jet to it. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed to be in Canada. They've got helicopters and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that dam base that they use is in Canada. Oh, so okay. They're they're really out there. Why? But it's a U.S. government site <laughs> in Canada? I don't know. Alberta. I, that makes sense for, like, Wolverine's whole journey. Yeah, but it doesn't... Because he's, like, in Canada. Yeah. Huh. I don't know about that. They were really getting ready to do his movie. They were like, we gotta set this up. They were building it up so much. 
But I didn't. I mean, think, it's intriguing. I don't. His origin movie didn't come out until like two thousand nine. What? Yeah, it came out. But there were like three of them later. Um, I believe the first one came out in two thousand nine, and then the second one came out, and I want to say. 2013? I thought it was way earlier. I thought it was like 2000... Well, not way earlier, but like 2007. Yeah, I mean, that would have made more sense. But yeah, X-Men Origins, 2009. The Wolverine, 2013. Wow. <coughs> wow. So, uh, <laughs> they really took their time. They really did miss the window, because it would have made a lot of sense for that to come out, I don't know, maybe a year or two after the third one to give it a bit of time. I guess the third one came out in 2006, so I guess it really wasn't that far off. Yeah. It just seemed like they had been working on it for a while. Yeah. I guess it was just slower to do these movies also. Working on something like that for a long time. <laughs> Maybe too long. Also, they almost, like, stabbed themselves in the foot because X3, like, was met with such um, disdain by myself included. I still can't believe that. That's going to be a fun episode. I did, well, one, I forgot about, like, Stryker as a character, and maybe it's because of what you're saying, that he's, like, played by different characters. Yeah, I, I think he is, anyway. Um, but I kind of, I also just, like, forgot how fucked up this plot line is with him and his son, mm -hmm. um, Jason. Yeah, I would completely forgotten about that. But it just goes to make him, I thought he was, like, a great villain in this. Because yeah, just totally the classic, just piece of shit comic book villain who is just coming after mutants at all costs, but has this bit of tragic backstory. That like a um, tiny tragedy for him. Tiny tragedy, which he has counteracted with doing something even more fucked up. So you're left with being like, just knowing that this guy is... Something else. And he's really smart, which I think is good in a villain that he knows about. He, like, understands mutants. I mean, he's in denial that it, you're, like, born with it. But he is smart and strategic. So I think that's a good um, combo, I guess. Yeah. He could really easily come off as cartoonishly evil or kind of blundering if he gets in over his head going against so many mutants, but he, he doesn't really, which is impressive. Oh, I had a, I had a note from earlier. I don't remember uh, exactly what scene this was in, but Mystique turns into a janitor. Oh, um, yeah. And the person that she is impersonating sees himself walking down the hallway Total throwaway scene. That dude is going to think about that for the rest of his life. In another 50 years, he's going to be like, did I ever tell you about the time that I saw my doppelganger and his grandkids are going to be like, shut up, granddad. Love that for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's lucky that that's all that happened. I know we probably talked about... I should, I'm really forgetting what we talked about in the first It's been a while, episode, okay. So apologies if this is repetitive, but... The Mystique character in these first three movies is really interesting because it's they do something very different in the prequels. And I know a lot of people didn't really like Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique. I think I, I don't have a problem with her. I think that it's good. 
I, but I, whatever it is, I do like that they give Mystique, like, her own personality in the prequels, because in these movies, she is, like, very, she doesn't say very much, like, as Mystique, only, like, when she's impersonating people, and, and I think they could have done more, because they show her kind of understanding people in a different way, and, like, mirroring them, like, what she does with Wolverine, like, in that, like, weird camping scene, Yeah, she's, like, can read people and like knows what to give them in order to get what she wants. And I think they could have explored that more in these movies, I guess. And I think they, they do stuff with her character, but not quite that. Cause Jennifer Lawrence's version of it is like a lot more chatty, talkative, has like more of a leadership role in both her friendship with Charles and then later with Eric. And like, you just don't really see that in this, like she's so quiet and reserved. Um, so I, I think it would have been cooler if they had, use the reservedness, but, like, also gave this, like, rich backstory, I guess. I don't know. Like, they're different people. They're completely different characters. I totally agree. In my opinion. Which Whereas kind of... everyone else, it feels, like, natural. Yeah. And the whole thing is kind of weird when you think about how they are supposed to be, to some extent, the same character, like, in the prequels. But yeah, they, they, they kind of They kind of reconcile be. that. I think not really painting with a bit of a wide brush. Most of the characters in the prequel series are just given more personality. Like even characters that I really like in these movies, like Storm and Cyclops, there's just not like a lot. They're barely going in the on. prequels because they're like kids. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't even think we get Storm like barely in the prequels. I think it like in one of the later ones. Yeah. Okay, that's true. I just think that um, they weren't really putting a lot of character development in the forefront for these. Yeah, that's true. But, like, not, you do for Charles right. and for... It's not necessarily in a bad way. Because I, I could say this, but I've never... When we watch the first one and we watch this, I'm not walking away thinking, oh, I wish we had learned more about these characters. I don't really need to. They work well Yeah, I didn't group, have this so... criticism at the time, certainly. I have this note, and I don't remember what it's referencing. Something It says, such a good escape, probably unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> well, my note... This is before, next, like, Ronnie... Yeah, okay, my note here is about Magneto killing that guard by pulling... Oh, the yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, super brutal. Super brutal. Yeah, but then with, like, the, he, like, takes the iron... And then uses it as, like, a bullet... Yeah, or just, like, marbles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically bullet, yeah. Um, like, just the way he can obviously manipulate metal. But, like, so the plan was Mystique gets to the security guy, like, gives him drugs, and then, like, shoots him up with iron, basically, into his bloodstream. But, like, she could have just impersonated him from the beginning and, like, gone into the jail, like, it just seemed very um, contrived, I guess, but I loved it. It was such a great scene, so if it I, doesn't matter. It, yeah, for sure. I think if I had to justify it, if, if I am in the mind of Eric Lencher being like, well, no, you can't just come in here and do that. I think he wanted a weapon. He needed a weapon because she could get in as him, but as soon as he leaves that cell, everything is going to go up. And if they don't have any metal, because of, I guess, like, until you 
good. There's like a, a detector that shows like right. if you have metal on you or not. He's completely helpless. So I guess he needed a a means to subdue all those other guards, or he just didn't trust Mystique to do it all herself. Which oh, she, she seems definitely more did. than capable though. But he also didn't know this plan. Yeah, so she, this was all her. Yeah, which I I think it was brilliant. But it's just, just along kind for of the ride. Funny. He Magneto really messes some people up over the course of this series. Oh, he's it's pretty brutal. brutal. And I sometimes forget that the just the tone of these movies, you know, they kind of got away with some pretty violent stuff. This comes to mind, and so does um, Magneto does something similar to Wolverine in Days of Future Past, which was actually that was way way rougher. I think he skewers him with a bunch of pieces of rebar. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like a brutal villain. And then, again, in the prequels, we just get so much rich background of him. I mean, they actually started that in the first movie, like showing him and his family getting sent to um, the Jewish internment camps. So Yeah. Okay, so what we were talking about earlier. Are you at Bobby's house? Yeah. We're at Bobby's house. They flee. Bobby's house. <laughs> flee the X Mansion, and they know that who's up in Boston is Storm, and who's trying to find Nightcrawler because they're all there. Storm and Phoenix are in Boston, so they're like, "Well, Jean we're gonna have that way." And I feel like they could have been a lot more subtle, but Wolverine's just like, "I'm gonna get a beer." Like, why not just like stash them in your room for a while, Bobby? Or, like, does anyone have any money? Like, go get a hotel? <laughs> I doubt they have any money. But, like, they could go anywhere. Like, I don't... They could just go to a little coffee shop. I... <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a poor choice. But I'm also not surprised. It's a bunch of kids in Wolverine who... They also do need like to, like, not... change. Like, they're in their pajamas. So... Yeah. So... This... Who invited John, though? How did he end up with them? He's so annoying. He's the worst. Yeah, he's terrible. I forgot where they took his character when we started watching this. I mean, you can kind of tell that he's just a dick from the beginning scene at the field trip. He wouldn't stop flicking the goddamn lighter. So we have this whole scene where Iceman... Who, why am I forgetting Iceman's name? Bobby. You just I've said, said it like five so many times. <laughs> I know, I feel like in my head I was just like, Bobby, also Iceman. Bobby has to explain to his parents and also his brother, Ronnie, that he has not been at boarding school, but he is a mutant and he's been out of school for mutants. And here are my friends who are also mutants. And what I definitely chose to view as a very barely thinly veiled allegory for coming out to your parents uh is yeah. just like couldn't so you just not cringeworthy be a mute? <laughs> have, you, tried? have you tried not being have you tried mute? praying about it and it's just like oh i was really really hoping for the best from you lady and you have you have failed you did not pass the vibe check and then ronnie goes into straight up like serial killer mode like I'm calling the cops on my brother, no questions asked. Don't feel bad about it. Like, what? I don't... I mean, I'm assuming a, a deeply rooted rivalry slash feeling of inferiority, which is maybe even... Maybe he secretly knew, 
or maybe Bobby was just the favorite anyway, because why wouldn't he be? Ronnie seems like a, a real gem. Terrible. And then, it, it uh, you know, at the end of the scene, it looks like, you know, he's looking vindicated, even though he directly resulted in a bunch of police officers getting right. blown up. Right, like, that's his fault. Yeah. Nobody was causing any trouble. No. He escalated. You know what? They could have they could have called him a mediator. Like, really bad younger sibling syndrome. Like, let's just, you know, we need to work on our conflict resolution skills and not call the police on our family. So I think we all can agree that Ronnie's a real piece of shit. So is John, but I will say John, a.k.a. Pyro, does have some cool moves. That was pretty impressive to see him get to flex his power because we haven't really seen him do much except for, like, antagonize people. Right. So I was kind of alternating between, like, come on, man, like, we didn't need to escalate. No, but also, he did like, all right, well, if we're going to do it. They did shoot Wolverine it. in the head. Yeah, uh, that cop got a good shot. Like, yeah. if he didn't have that power, like... Oh, he ooh, was dead. He's going to get a medal for that one. So now they can never go back to Boston. I don't know how they ever rectify this <laughs> throughout the series. The uh, Fraternal Order of Police will definitely never stop talking about this. So maybe that's just an unwritten rule. <laughs> Every time someone wants to go to Boston, Charles has to just freeze the entire city so they can go sightsee. For a little bit. Um, one thing I for so I was getting this movie and the next movie a little muddied in my brain, and I was pretty sure that in X three is like when Phoenix comes comes to life. It is. Um, but I forgot that like we have this kind of like death scene at the end of this movie. I know we're not there yet, but I do think regardless they. Ha- did a really good job in this movie of setting up something is brewing under Jean Grey, like, and like her unstableness. And it, I think it was actually really subtle. And this movie is not something that I would consider a subtle movie about anything. No. Um, but I think they did that part really well. Um, so I'm, I'm actually interested in watching X3 again because it's been a while and I've been so critical and like emotionally didn't didn't like it in the past so I'll be interested to see it again with a little bit more of a forgiving or critical view yeah I basically had the same idea I said the hints of her potential that they drop in throughout are really cool but it also served as a reminder of how bad the payoff is that's my note I think that they had they had a really good idea, but I think they, they fumbled the execution, but I am yeah. excited to watch it, too. I think so, too. Cause, well, yeah, they killed everybody, so... Well, you know, I just couldn't believe that they did this plot again, but I would... I, I think you I, mean in the Phoenix movie? Yeah, and, like, setting it up for that. I, I think I like this better, because I think they had a bit more time to explore her story. I mean, the amount of time that we had the other Jean Grey... In the universe, we we knew that she had the Phoenix powers for about 20 minutes, and then she's the subject of the next movie, which I kind of guess is what this movie did too, but I don't know. I had to revisit this idea once we've watched everything again. I, I mean, I don't know exactly where I'm plot-wise, but I just had kind of a side... Oh, I guess they've now like met up with Magneto, because I'm like, I kind of forgot how much I liked Eric in this, and then a few lines later i have a line that's like 
God damn it, Eric. And what? He's just kind of enjoyable at this point because he's like on their team, but he's like still kind of giving everyone shit a little bit. But he he is like motivated to save Charles. Yeah. Or at least at this point, he's motivated to save Charles. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to do it and I'm still going to be a pain in everybody's ass. Like, I'm not going to let them forget who well, I am. Yeah. And then I forgot that he like nearly murdered rogue and like she's like in this jet with him and i was like yikes yeah not great not great and i I do think they well we get the moment with with pyro leaving their group in this but i think they do later well i know i wasn't Uh, saying uh, now i was just saying exploring the idea of people being put off by how forgiving charles is of eric I think that comes up more in the prequels. Maybe just some people on the team being disaffected by the fact that, like, he's not really down with the idea of these are our enemies, but more like we need to forgive them and work with them if they're willing to work with us. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. That's just not going to sit right with a lot of people. Um, yeah, so this is like the worst camping trip ever. They're, like, <laughs> waiting for the uh, plane to get fit, fixed, the jet, and they have all these like tense which is very funny we didn't see all of the sleeping arrangements like the children the teenagers that are with them um but can i just say that earlier when we first have like the reunion between wolverine and the rest of the students including rogue and bobby the first thing that he asks is like oh you guys are together huh and then he's like how do you uh i'm like look you can't ask Everyone's, teenagers this stuff everyone's thinking it everybody is thinking it so i guess he's the only one that would actually have the nerve to say it yeah also i guess he, i shouldn't be surprised he only has a couple things on the brain <laughs> and speaking of logan and sex i just don't ship him and gene neither do i they they're just like they're into each other i'm like i have no reason to be rooting for them over gene and cyclops or just rooting for them at all. Like, I don't... There's... I, I don't get what Jean sees in him. Like, and that she's basically like, if you were more steady, I would yeah. be with you instead of Cyclops. It's like, no. Like, or if you... If that's the truth, like, that's so fucking shitty. Like, that's your husband that you do, like, also love. Like, I just... I don't like it. And I know that a lot of people ship them, I guess. I just don't... I, I, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't get it. I don't root for... And I'm not just like, oh, because they're married, they shouldn't, she shouldn't be with him. Like, I genuinely like her and Cyclops together. And I think they have, like, a good partnership. Like, we actually see them being good partners, like, early in the movie because he notices right away that something's wrong with her. And he's like, no, you need to tell me the truth. And so then she does, and they, like, have this, like, nice conversation about, like, what's going on with her powers. Like, yeah. Yeah, and... I mean, I don't like how Cyclops gets so threatened by Wolverine, but he kind of has a reason to, I guess. Sure. He knows what's going on. And then, yeah, they have a steady relationship, and Logan is just the the hookup that just keeps coming back. <laughs> and Scott is just like, can we please just put an end to it? Also, like, they never did hook up. Like, they've just, like, known each other as, like, acquaintances, basically. Teammates, if you want to be like a stronger word yeah workplace proximity partners what is that from oh that's a i think that's a ron swansonism 
Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I think it's Parks and Rec. Why do you think Mystique is fucking with Logan? I don't know. Just because? Probably just thinks it's fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't do you think she any... also has a crush on Logan? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I would really take anything that she does. Like, I don't. Like, I wouldn't believe that. I think she just likes to manipulate people, and that's her idea of a good time. I'm getting real close to the end of my notes. Well, we have and this... there's like an hour of the movie left. <laughs> it was a long movie. It was too long, I think. Yeah, it kind of dragged in the middle. And towards the end. I mean, we also kept getting interrupted, so we had to keep pausing, and I think that made it feel really long. Yeah. We were watching this on Molly's birthday, which was, as of today recording it, was, was yesterday. And what better movie to celebrate your birthday with the next two? I just can probably think of a couple. Fantastic Four, obviously, if we had to pick one for the pod, but... We're saving that. It's coming. We're in this super cool secret mountainside base, which I love a snowy mountainside villain base. Oh, you I mean, do. We, we don't see enough of those anymore. It's and very James Bond. Very James Bond. And we get a bit of background exposition on the origins of Wolverine and how Stryker was involved in making him who he is, um, which was cool. I think I, I like the underlying mystery and his amnesia. And sometimes I forget how he was introduced into this universe, you know, kind of just as this already established drifter type Right, because he's like immortal. Yeah. Or so we think. And I think the, like, amnesia side of things is a little silly, but, you know, his origin story is just, is brutal. It uh, does not seem like a good time having adamantium grafted onto your bones. I wouldn't do it myself. Yeah, so we get the... Are you talking about the fight with the other Wolverine-type character? Uh, this, it does lead into that, so... Coming out of her nails, which seems less painful than coming out of your knuckles. Yeah. It's, it's like, so goofy. Like, when it comes out of her nails, it's just like, I'm different from Wolverine. But fair. Also, like, stronger. Like, she's... Oh, she was kicking his ass yeah. until he, you know, he pulled out his trump card, which is just filling her with more metal. Rough. Yeah, that was that was painful, too. You know, she got metal leaking out of her nose and eyes and stuff. And then when she, you know, he throws her into the tank of water, and then she clanks I on know. the bottom. Which was, like, rough, but I was like, also, great touch. I also just feel bad for her because I'm... She's, like, being controlled by Stryker. Like, yeah. she could have been saved by them. Like, I know that this is not the time, and they got to they gotta do what they got to do. I'm sure that if it was anybody else, if anybody else had been in that room besides just her and Logan, someone might have been maybe calling to, like, oh, incapacitate her until, like, Charles can do something about it, but... Yeah, time was... Well, also, like, not in that fight. There was no mercy rule. Right. And I think at that point, like, the dam was already starting oh, to fall yeah. apart because Cyclops lasered it in half, basically, by accident. 
I think that in general, X-Men does a good job of giving everyone a weakness along with their power. Like, Wolverine's whole thing is that he can't go up against Magneto because he's, like, full of metal. Yeah. I mean, Cyclops, like, can't control it if he doesn't have his, like, glasses on, which happens all the time. I mean, they did this exactly in the first movie at the end. They, like, used everyone's weaknesses against them. It's a big game of rock, paper, scissors. I do love it. Or Pokemon. Um, so we have Jason, who is Stryker's son, who I guess like started at Charles's school, and I think the expectation was they would fix him, as in no longer be a mutant, and that was not going to happen. And so I think that Stryker pulled the kid out. That's what it sounds like. But it like. also kind of implied that Jason was like maybe not such a great kid and was like thrown out. I don't know if he would, like, I don't see Charles as, like, giving up on someone, but I do think that he was, like, not maybe behaving. I think that's kind of what they were implying. Yeah. I I would be more inclined to agree with him being pulled out for that same reason, but I don't, I don't think they ever actually stated, do they? they? They talk about it a little bit. In both senses. Like, I mean, the the one thing with, like, the parents being, like, we want you to fix him mm-hmm. was one thing. But I think on top of that, I think that Charles was having a hard time getting through to Jason, period. And so, anyway, when he returned back home, he continued to use his powers, like, against his parents and drove his mom to suicide. And then Stryker just, like spent the rest of his life wanting to control mutants like his son and he has him literally hooked up to a wheelchair and is like i guess like just being perpetually fed whatever that serum is that makes mutants do like hip it's like kind of like hypnotism but it's like through a serum yeah i mean i'm assuming that's like what's going through his chair is like that stuff i think he's just like always has like a drip of it basically yeah um, it's pretty rough. But still has control of his powers and so therefore can manipulate Charles. Yeah. He's super powerful. Yeah. Just to be... And Charles, I think, is in a an especially weakened state. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he, that wouldn't have affected him in his prime, but <laughs> kind of lucky that Jason just got left to die in that dam because that would have been a... Very serious recurring problem. Um, and so part of, like, the whole plan is that Charles is going to locate all of the mutants and, like, focus so hard that he can kill them. Which just shows you, like, how par- powerful Charles is. Which we do see him being powerful, but... Um, but, like, Jason is a mutant. So that, that was going to be, like, my question is, like, if he's, like, doing this, like, does he not lock in on Jason because he's, like, in the room with him? Like... He's like Jason is protected from it, maybe because he's like in the cerebrum room. Oh, he probably is, because that would be kind of like Striker's ace in the hole, like in case that something went wrong, or maybe Charles didn't get everybody. Well, no, just like manipulate them using Jason. If Jason gets affected by it, then he can no longer control Xavier. Charles, that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, then that must have been it. Yeah. 
I mean, I was just kind of thinking about that during the movie. Because that would have been a pretty bad oversight to the plan otherwise. And then we're like, great, Magneto is going to save the day. And then what happens? Nothing good, Maul. Well, Magneto is not the kind of guy to waste an opportunity, especially when it's an opportunity to... Yeah, revenge and then some. Like, fully (laughs) execute the plan that he has just dreamed about. He's like, here's my opportunity to get rid of all the humans because they are problems. And we would be better off without them. But, like, I mean, I just said, like, Charles is way stronger than I think we give him credit for, but I don't believe that he's strong enough to, like, wipe out the entire human population, like, with his mind at once. I guess, like, we we won't know. I mean, we don't. I mean, but they were affected. They were getting that screamy thing. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't see that because I don't, I feel like the first movie talks about, like, how many mutants there are amongst the Earth's population, and it's gotta be fairly small even though the genes like are widespread i agree with you that's just it's too much and like magneto couldn't have known that either he was just like well i have the opportunity to try it so i'm gonna fucking try it (laughs) mystique and magneto get out of there they steal the helicopter which logan had chained striker up to as and collected john i guess in the meantime yep He was just like, you know what? I'm going to hang out with you guys. It checks out. It does. I I think he will fit in better And that's a really good asset for them. Yeah, he's super strong. Like, I'm assuming he's still pretty early. Like, obviously he's still a teenager. But he hasn't really gotten to use it. But when we saw him use it, like you said, like... Really powerful, yeah. Super strong. But imagine, like, him without any, like... No holds bar or whatever that saying is. Yeah. And then we have Jean sacrificing herself for the team and like really going full, full Phoenix. Yeah. She's controlling like five different people at once and the water. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, I kind of forgot that her sacrifice is to stop the plane from being covered in water, (laughs) which seems like. You know, you would think that of all the things X Men could handle this, but they can only do so much, I guess. And and I feel like she totally could have survived it, like if she'd let Nightcrawler grab her. I also don't know why she couldn't do it from the plane. I look, Cyclops just, and I are asking the same questions. It's we just one of those things. Know. Everyone's like, "You have to let her do it," and yeah, he's just like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Why? Well, only Charles was saying that, and I don't know if it's... I mean, I know it's canon in the whole series, but I don't know if it was canon in this book or this movie (laughs) that Charles has manipulated Jean's mind Mm. so that she doesn't access that part of her. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true in this moment, but that's definitely how it's framed in, in Phoenix. Totally. Dark Phoenix. Spoilers for Dark Phoenix has to yeah a little bit Sorry. a little bit and for x3 you know how we, do. we just <laughs> we just talk about sequels and such willy-nilly we can't we can't stop ourselves we get this really cool scene at the end as kind of a capstone to what this entire movie has been about 
where the president is on the verge of doing a live broadcast to the citizens of the world, presuming, or citizens of the United States, uh, addressing the goings-on of what I guess has just been like a couple days that this movie is set across, but he is interrupted by the whole crew showing up once Charles has once again slowed down slash stopped time. And it's just really cool because they're very much... Well, he does it at the very beginning, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a trip. cool little callback. And they just... It's just... This scene is like a distilled version of Charles' worldview yeah. and how he approaches working with or, uh, you know, against slash with humans by not really threatening the president, <laughs> but more so just being he like... He says explicitly he's not threatening. He's just giving them all the facts. But like, you see what we're doing here. Yes. Like, he's the storm subtle. just rolled in in five seconds and everybody now thinks you're insane. <laughs> Um, so don't, please don't mess with us, <laughs> but we're not Magneto, <laughs> but we do work with him sometimes. <laughs> and I just thought that was a really cool way to start to wrap things up. Although we get one more scene at the end of this. What with the, uh, water? Yeah. Like seeing the Phoenix? Yeah. Just, a. I was, I mean, I'm not surprised that they did it, but like you said, not the most subtle movie. And whereas the rest of it was more just like hinting at what would happen. That's like. Well, it's like kind of instead of a post credit scene, it's like exciting. That's true. You gotta yeah, leave the totally, people wanting more. That would totally be a post credit scene if it came out now. But that's where we're left. And, you know, now we, we have X3 or The Last Stand on the horizon. Yeah, maybe in another six months. <laughs> Honestly, it might take that long. Although we're going to have a bit of a lull in January. No, we're going to have Batman. That. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, I forgot we, we had actually planned this out. Uh, yeah, we're going to start our Batman marathon. Yeah, we'll say that now that um, once we finish our Spider-Man, which we will be finishing up next week. My God. Um, then we are going to shift gears into preparing for the... Robert Pattinson Batman yeah. movie by watching all of the Batmans. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. All of the remaining Batmans. Well, we'll get back to X-Men eventually, and we have a lot of ground to cover. I'm I'm very excited, and we're not going to get to it for a long time, but to get to Logan. I've only seen it once. Molly's never seen it. Um, so that'll be a really good episode. The rest of them will be good, too. Yeah. Um, I know. I As we were watching it, I was like, I know what my favorite scene is. Um, or badass scene is when they're like escaping the school and yeah. like Wolverine is getting to be Wolverine and uh, yeah he gets to do some cool stuff in that scene yeah and like Bobby gets to do like that ice wall which is really cool yeah yeah I right. like all the ki- and getting to see all these like different powers yeah like, it's fun it's really good and I feel like when we see Stryker like touching the ice wall he has what I took as kind of a sense of amusement. Maybe kind because of, he doesn't seem super, you know, he's not angry. He's not screaming or banging on it. He's just kind of touching it and being like, yeah, huh. like the way that he approaches mutants is just very, well, he sees interesting to them me. as weapons. Right. 
So, yeah, he's like, well, this could be useful. Yeah. He could deploy you somewhere. Hmm. I think I would either have mine just be, I really just do like that opening scene in the White House or yeah. the fight between Wolverine and Yuriko. I, I liked them both. Because that was another moment where they really, well, I wouldn't say they're pushing the boundaries of the violence in these movies, but it's always fun to see Wolverine really get to put those claws to use, like you said. Because uh, he is just one of those mutants that some of their other some of the other mutants' powers could be used for practical purposes, but <laughs> Wolverine's just kind of you know yeah I can kill people with these, but hey he's good at his job. I'm sure he would hate if I said that. He's not a weapon. Um. What, um, do we want to play any games? No, let's try to do a couple matchups. Although, I feel like the X-Men can pretty much kick everybody's ass. Um, or were there any new powers that you'd want? Of all the people that we saw in this, I mean, Nightcrawler's powers are pretty cool. Yeah, that's Just, true. You know, I love, oh, I love yeah. a good teleportation. Um, but mm, it was the same way in the first one. Like, most of these powers, I don't really want... Oh, they mine seem like was, a liability was easy. at best. Magneto, always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. But I would say you're right. Second would be Nightcrawler. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, though. If I could have both, that would be sweet. But they're good for different reasons. I guess if both... Yeah, nobody wants boils, rogue's power. It boils down to laziness for both. <laughs> Teleporting instead of walking. And just, you know, being able to hover whatever you want over to you. Yeah, nobody wants rogue's powers. Not even Rogue. Right, that's another, in the next movie. Yeah. Ugh. I actually thought that that was in the last movie, and I was like, wait, Rogue's still here, and she has her power? <laughs> like, why is she still wearing gloves? Um, I forgot. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to finish up Spider-Man next week, and we'll be seeing the new Spider-Man. Oh, my God, I can't wait. And... And we got all sorts of good stuff coming up. We'll be doing a kind of wrap-up episode for Hawkeye. We're going to cover the whole series in one episode. Uh, and then, like Mom Yeah, which said, if you're not watching, it's been really fun. Yeah, definitely check it out. Even if you're like, why would I watch a show about Hawkeye? It's the most boring Avenger. I'm not going to argue with you, but also you should watch it anyway. we got that. We've got Batman. We're going to go back to Blade. We've got all sorts of stuff in the pipeline. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to another episode. And until next time, we, we are, are Out of the, the Superverse. Superverse.